Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops APAC 12 podcast. My name is Matt. I am here with Carlos. Hello. Avery. Hey. Greg. Hey. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod or send us an email at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our football episode recapping all that happened over the weekend in Pac-12 football. Reminder that our basketball episode drops every Tuesday at 5 a.m., so go check that out when it drops. Y'all, we have so much to get to. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Let's talk about the big one, the big game, the one that had the biggest stakes. Not to be confused. Not to be confused with, with the big, big game. I, no, I said the big game. That's good. I, I no, did yeah, it yeah, right. Yeah, no, you're right. It's big game. Should yeah. be big game for all you casual. Stanford Cal is big game. Go we ahead. Have no, we have no casuals. There are no truck <laughs> no truck stop listeners here. Uh, Utah beat the absolute hell out of Oregon, 38 to 7, after taking a 28 to nothing lead when Kyle Whittingham called a timeout uh, when Oregon was facing a fourth down with 11 seconds left in the half. Uh, to force a punt, and of course, Cristobal, the uh, incredible game manager that he is, decided to kick it to 40-year-old Britton Covey anyways, who ran it back for 78-yard touchdown as the half expired. This was a dominant win for Utah all around, and they clinch the South for the third straight non-fake year. Grapes, I understand you have some thoughts about this game. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, first off, today as we're recording it, uh, November 21st is Ty Jordan's birthday. So happy birthday, Ty Jordan, the late Utah football player that died last December. Um, I was right. I, I'm i right a lot of the time, but I was right about this game. I was the only one on this podcast. We had two guests last week, and I was still the only one out of six people that picked this game correctly. Um, Oregon looked... Oregon did not look like the number three team in the country. Like, if you had no idea who these teams were playing, which is very possible because Utah was wearing all gray for some reason, um, <laughs> you would not know that Oregon was a number the number three team in the country. And I will admit I was wrong about one thing, and the one thing I was wrong about is I didn't think we'd be able to win this game by running the ball, and we did. We ran the ball f- – by we, I mean Utah ran the ball 50 times. 50 times. Um, for 208 yards, which is the second most this entire season after the Stanford game where they absolutely obliter- obliterated Stanford for over 400 yards. Um, Cam Rising only had to pass 18 yards, which is Utah's favorite thing in the world, is to ask their quarterback to do the absolute bare minimum. He did have a lot of carries um, and got a decent amount of running gar- yards on the ground, including a touchdown. But Utah's good. Utah's good. Utah's good at home. I'm not going to say it was because of the home field advantage because I think they they proved that they were clearly the better team here, but I think playing at home helped. It's a hard environment to play in if you're not Utah, and they looked really, really good. They they were in control of this game from the very beginning. They contained Travis Dye. They made Anthony Brown throw the ball. We talked about this beforehand is the we thought the worst 
group on the field was going to be Utah's defense, and that was absolutely a lie. They wanted Anthony Brown to throw. They gave him every opportunity to throw. And he did get some throws downfield, but overall, like, it wasn't enough to win. It, it genuinely looked like Anthony Brown was just too scared to take the looks. You know, Utah doesn't have the best defensive backs in the conference. Like, they're very young and they make a lot of mistakes, but Anthony Brown just wasn't willing to take the risks. And they held Oregon rushing to 63 yards on the ground. And Carlos made fun of me because I said, Utah needs to be able to control the run, unlike they did against Oregon State, which is like very basic analysis, I know, but they did. And that's how they won. Travis Dye, I don't have his average game since um, CJ Verdell went out, but he's been just kicking ass. Anyways, Utah's good at football. Utah clinched the South. And um, Oregon should not be in the top 10, like I've been saying all season. And the Pac-12 doesn't get nice things, so we won't be getting a playoff team. Yeah, no, completely disagree here. Uh, Oregon looked every bit the number three team that they are. Uh, Utah is very <laughs> clearly, Utah propaganda. <laughs> unquestionably, the number two team in the con- in in the nation. Uh, frankly, the number one, if if we're being honest. Arizona State probably slots in at number two. Okay, um, we this is uh, no, honestly, I mean, like I, this was genuinely shocking i did i completely agreed that i thought that utah would win this game i thought they would win this game scoring 38 i did not think they would win this game scoring 38 on the ground i i thought that it was going to need to be a lot of getting the ball out on the edges neutralizing sewell and Kayvon Thibodeau as much as possible not running it right at them and just sending tight ends at those two like i it was genuinely shocking um that feeling that we've been getting all season watching Oregon State and watching what their offensive line and blocking scheme has done was the feeling that I got this entire game. Like it, The blocking in this game was unbelievable. Um, I tweeted, I wish that I was watching this game with, with one of my offensive, uh, Brian Brown or one of our Utah offensive line gurus. I des- I, I'm certain I saw like 8% of what was actually happening and it was incredible. The, the trenches were absolutely owned by Utah. Um, you know, it, you get that big play out of it. But I think I saw a stat that like the longest run that Utah had in this game was 17 yards. Like they just absolutely murdered Oregon and just said, yeah, third and six, we'll run it. We'll get six and a half. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. We're going to do that this entire game. Um, it was absolutely unbelievable. I am, I do, I will say that I think that like 35 attempts for Anthony Brown is completely inexcusable specifically when compared to the fact that like Travis Dye touched the ball seven times in this game seven for like that's just not enough even Byron Caldwell if you're gonna sit here and say that like you know they're splitting carries eight 15 carries 15 touches between what are probably your two best players on offense you're not gonna win that game like you're you're just not gonna win that game you're certainly not gonna convert in the red zone as Oregon proved I just this was this was a complete ass kicking. Nothing about this game looked like any sort of a fluke. Nothing about this game looked like Oregon was even close. Um, Utah did not look like the number twenty three team in the nation by any stretch. I joke about number two, but like this is a really, really, really good Utah team. This is the Utah team that I said was gonna run away with the South when we were in in the previews. Yeah. 
I mean, the to your point about the trenches and Utah dominating the trenches, it was um, stunning and also kind of cool to see Utah push Oregon around on the lines, though a lot like the way Oregon pushed Utah around the lines in the Pac-12 title game two years ago. To see that be completely flipped, I, I mean, I just think that's a. I mean, I I know that like I'm I'm like a, a big time truther about um, development, and instead I'm just like talent, talent, talent. But I think it really did highlight how much talent Utah had brought, um, and like stockpiling cadres of guys who can play while young and also compete um, while young in practice and all of that stuff. Like shocking to see Utah push Oregon around. Um, but I also did want to respond to the 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 point about Anthony Brown. Um, so I, I Oregon has Oregon has a huge problem offensively. Um, they have a major quarterback problem offensively. I think Anthony Brown looked absolutely brutal. Um, and I and, and and when players look brutal, I tend to always blame development, and I blame development here too on the part of the Oregon coaching staff. Mario Cristobal, Joe Moorhead's been there one year, um, but Anthony Brown's been in the program now. This is his second year, um, and for him to look even worse than this, the what he did last year in place of Tyler Shuck. Um, is an indictment on them, but man, he looked, he looked, he looked awful to the point where Anthony Brown's receivers were visibly, visibly upset with him. If you're watching this game on TV, their gestures so and bad. body language. Oh, so it was all bad. They're just the receivers gestures and body language are pretty much just complete disappointment. Um, because Anthony Brown was really only being asked to throw the ball. Like four past four yards past the line of scrimmage and he was missing what felt like half of those it felt like he was completing those at like a 50 percent clip which is insane to me um and you know each of those times it was like you would see um pretty i saw this from all of their receivers just asking him to how they want to throw it and anthony brown they would pan to Ant- the cameras would pan to anthony brown and he was jawing back at his receivers and um that's just a bad look um you know, Utah kind of put together two nice drives on offense early on that put them up 14 to 0 and then Oregon went down, missed a field goal that would have cut it 14 to 3 in the second quarter. Um and I just thought at, as Utah got the ball again, if they scored one more time, that was scenes. That was game for Oregon before halftime. That was it. Because honestly, they're just not built to come back. Um Utah showed that you need what you need to do to beat this Oregon team. And that's to build a lead. Um, this Oregon team is built to do game control. Um, it's built to hang on to the ball. And when they're competitive or in the lead, they do that really well. Um, but they have absolutely no ability to get big plays or to scheme for big plays consistently. They have nothing in their bag that lets them take shots downfield. Um, so credit to Utah for immediately pinning uh, uh, Oregon's backs to the wall and forcing them to respond. Um, Oregon doesn't have the you know, the offensive game plan to be able to come back and claw out of deficits the way a lot of other teams can, um, the way that Utah has in this season before against like an Arizona state, um, Oregon never figured that out. They never have all season and Utah blew them out because of it. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was wild to me that in this game, one of the, like, I thought the biggest deficit on the field, well, I thought the biggest deficit in that game was coaching like in every aspect of the game, Utah just had all the answers and Oregon had none. And at every time it felt like maybe there could be a momentum switch, it would be like Oregon shoots themselves in the foot. They don't try and change anything to like exploit what Utah's giving them. Like an Oregon fan tweeted a picture of the defense Utah was playing with zero players back deep 
like just no fear of Oregon trying to throw deep at all. And Oregon made Utah pay like twice. Like they had the one long throw on the, the drive that ended up with a missed field goal. And then they had the touchdown throw at the beginning of the second half. Outside of that, it was nothing. Like they just didn't try at all. <laughs> um, from ESPN Stats and Info tweeted that uh, Tavion Thomas had three rushing touchdowns. Uh, so he had three, he had three rushing touchdowns in that game. Uh, and in his last three games, he has 11 rushing touchdowns, which is the most over a three-game span by a Pac-12 player in the last 25 years. Uh, come outside, Reggie Bush. Uh, we just want to talk. Um, I think this proves Tavion's better than Reggie Bush, you know, facts. There's been, a lot, of great, there's been a lot of great running backs in this conference over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, like... Tavion Thomas might be Derrick Henry. I don't know. Yeah. Um. To your to your point about that tweet that the I think it was Puddles that tweeted it. Mm-hmm. The Oregon fans go ducks. Um. About Utah's defensive backs playing up really high. I think in a way Oregon's coaching staff did recognize that, and that's why they passed thirty five times and only ran the ball twenty three times. But Anthony Brown wasn't taking shots. They weren't looking beyond, like Carlos said, five yards past the line of scrimmage. Like, they were so, I think they bit way too hard on, oh, Utah's defensive backs aren't great. Let's just pass when they should have just slammed Travis Dye. Like, what were they doing? <laughs> that was, I don't know. It was I, it was really funny to watch. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was at the game, the greatest football game I've ever been to in my entire life. Yeah, I talk about r- talk about the environment because on TV it looked insane. McDonough, like McDonough was hyping the it environment. Was, he was. I mean, he did it not looked, stop talking about it. I mean, it, it was the insane biggest on TV. crowd in Utah history. Like we just had the stadium renovation that increased Rice Eccles Stadium to by six thousand seats, but it was even bigger than that. Like it was huge. It was so loud. Oh, my gosh. When Oregon's offense was on the field, like, you couldn't hear yourself think. Like, it was – I mean, I'm the president of Utah student section, the MUS, and so it was – I was so happy. <laughs> it was, like, the greatest moment ever. I was so proud. How would you compare it – how would you compare it to other, like, Utah home games? Is this the loudest game you've ever been to? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say before this, it was the Arizona State game. That was the loudest that I've ever been to, this Arizona State game in 2021. Um, yeah, it's, it's not even comparable. It's just, it was insane. And it was really cool because Utah is kind of known for only having a couple sections that really get loud. But when the, when Oregon's offense was on your part of the field, whoever was closest to that was like on their feet. Even the boomers on the other side of the the student (laughs) section, that's across the field. Like they were getting on their feet. It was, it was really cool to see. And it was extremely loud. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I felt really bad for Oregon, um, but it was kind of fun. It was like a nice piece of revenge, like you said, for the 2019 game, like just destroying them with blocking um, on the lines. But can we talk about the tight ends? Oh, yeah. The clear takeaway from this is that more tight ends is the future of offense in college football. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Andy Ludwig, Utah's offensive coordinator, catches a lot of shit for this. And I actually talked about it on the Quack 12 podcast last week in the preview for this game. But with 13 personnel and having the three tight ends, Brant Keithy, Cole Fotheringham, and Dalton Kincaid on the field at once, it worked in this game. Like, they were making Kayvon Thibodeau so uncomfortable. Like, I think at one point in the third quarter or fourth quarter – 
um, Brant Keithy, which is Utah's smallest tight end. Keep this in mind. He's basically just a tall Britain Covey. Blocked Kayvon Thibodeau 10 yards downfield. And mm. I think, like, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau was exhausted from just being pushed all game by multiple people. But that was just... Because Kayvon Thibodeau destroyed Utah in 2019. Like, single-handedly manhandled us when he was a true freshman. So mm. it was just very beautiful people to give, see him not accomplish anything. People give Ludwig crap for having for going 13 personnel? I think they give him crap for it because it becomes, like, super vanilla when you don't need it. I think you know if you I mean? have bad tight ends, it is bad to do. But all three of Utah's tight ends can do... Well, I guess Keithy's less of a blocker, but he was fantastic blocking in this game. So well, and there's an argument that there are best pass catchers outside yeah. of Britain Covey. Like Devon Bailey, the wide receiver, mm-hmm. is right there. But like those three tight ends are pretty damn good. I think playmakers. Yeah, I think at other schools with tight ends that aren't Utah's, I can I would be fresh, I would be frustrated by the amount of thirteen and twelve personnel and maybe even eleven. Like, you know, at another school I, I really like going five wide, but um with Utah's tight ends get those guys on the field they're your best like they're some of your best playmakers and uh getting your best playmakers on the field helps you win one of the reasons Oregon didn't win like y'all said was their running backs who are good just not getting any touches and I felt like I felt like they they ran the ball like decently well like it wasn't that bad and so I'm kind of shocked that they just gave up on it completely because I don't know exactly what like Dye's yard per carry or Cardwell's was, but I felt like it wasn't. They were both around five. Yeah, like I don't understand why they didn't try that more. But I I think it's a huge indictment on their coaching staff. Like I was very disappointed. You know, as soon I mean the whole first half there was a few things that were just super confusing, but as soon as they punted to Britton Covey, like I do want to say uh, if we or if Utah and Oregon play each other again in the Pac-12 championship game, I do think it's going to be a lot, like, a lot closer than this one was. Uh, like, I, watching the game, like, Oregon know. Oregon moved the ball. Like, they should have scored more than they did. Uh, like, they had one drive stall out due to a penalty, and was that the one with the blocked field goal, or was that the missed field goal? But, I think uh, it was that the miss it's like it's oregon the first two so oregon should have scored more than they did and i kind of think that like they'll figure something out going into the next game i think that yeah I, th- I think utah will win that next game just because i think what utah did on offense is just is sustainable except for maybe the absurd like third down rate but even then like keithy was running right running wide open like often during the game and Utah was dominating in the trenches, like y'all said, and so they'll be able to run the ball if they play again, but I think the margin will be like 7 or 10 instead of 30. Yeah, I mean, 31 points is one of, is a very convincing win. Mm-hmm. Beating a team by 31 points is super convincing. So will the game be closer? Probably, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say, oh, Oregon's going to win that one. Yeah, we'll definitely talk a lot more about that um, next week <laughs> when we actually get to preview whatever ends up happening with the uh with with the north and how that conference championship looks speaking of that let's move on to the only other game that had any implications this week in that race uh Oregon State went graveyarding uh and took down Arizona State uh 24 to 10 
This is the kind of ugly. This was kind of an ugly game for both teams, but the Beavs gained 237 yards rushing, rushing uh, basically just par for the course for them, uh, and were in total control throughout. Oregon State is still alive in the Pac-12 North. Um, Carlos, can you can you please talk us through us what is going on in the Pac-12 North, um, on the implications, and then you know where where were you more impressed in this game between Oregon State uh, or just disappointed with how far the Devils have fallen? Yeah, so first, just about the Pac-12 North scenarios here. Oregon State, Oregon, and Washington State all very much alive in the Pac-12 title race in the final week of the season. Kind of insane if you were like, these are the final three teams to be in the Pac-12 North uh, division race. You would just be like, uh, what? Um, so uh, Oregon, so here are the, so Oregon can get to the Pac-12 title game if they beat Oregon State. That they are the ones that have the most control over their destiny, as people would say. Um, so if Oregon wins and they beat Oregon State, they're in. Um, now, it gets complicated if Oregon State beats Oregon. Um, if Oregon State beats Oregon, it's going to be dependent on what happens in the Apple Cup on Friday. So the Apple Cup happens on Friday, and then Oregon-Oregon State happens on Saturday. So when we go into the Oregon-Oregon State game, we will know what how like what implications that game will have. If Washington State beats Washington in the Apple Cup on Friday, then um, Oregon State beating Oregon on Saturday would send Washington State to the Pac-12 title game. That they would be a three-way tie at six and three in conference for Washington State, Oregon State, and Oregon. And um, the next tiebreaker is who has the best record against each of those. But the issue is that Oregon beat Washington State, who beat Oregon State, and in this scenario, who beat Oregon. Um, so then it would go the next sort of tiebreaker step there is who has the best record against their division opponents, which is the Pac-12 North. Um, Washington State in that scenario would be 4-1 and one against the rest of the Pac-12 North. Oregon, Oregon State would be 3-2. and two. So they would win if there is a three-way tie to get there. They need to win, and they need Oregon State to win. Okay, you're following me. I'm looking at who is in the north and thinking about, good God, you lost to two of those teams. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still can't believe that Oregon lost to Stanford. That is so. Yeah, really I, I don't care. I'm just not realizing. There. I'm yeah, just not realizing Utah is the only one lost team in the in conference play. Furthermore, if Oregon State wins, there will own there will not be a two lost team. And yes, yeah. I'm I'm counting my eggs before they hatch. I'm guessing Utah beats Colorado. I think that's fair. Like, yeah. holy crap! Yeah. So for Oregon State, just real quickly, Oregon State needs Washington. Oregon State, uh, Oregon State fans are huge Huskies fans in the Apple Cup. Oregon State needs Washington to beat Washington State so that they have a chance at beating Oregon to go to the North. So. However you want, I, I, I've kind of run through this and I haven't looked at the, at looked at the odds because I kind of looked at this all last night. I don't know who's favorite, like who's more likely to go in that scenario. I guess it'd be Oregon because they had their favored over Oregon State. Yeah, they get Oregon State at home. If yeah. they were going to Corvallis, done. Yeah. Done deal. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> they're in Eugene. Yeah, well, you know, and, and the other thing is that, uh, and, we, and maybe we can talk about this later, maybe this is a letdown spot for Oregon. Um Oregon fans are all out being like, ah, you know, whatever. The Rose Bowl, it sucks. We don't really care about the Rose Bowl anymore. It sucks that we couldn't get to the playoff. Let me tell you, Rose Bowls do not grow on fucking trees. That's the mecca of this conference. You don't take Rose Bowls for granted. Everyone in this conference would trade their left leg, except for USC, would trade their left leg for 
for one Rose Bowl in their lifetime. Um, and so for Oregon fans and maybe even the team thinking like, oh, no, we wanted the Natty and now everything else is a disappointment. Big fucking mistake. I actually think uh, Oregon State might be charged up for that game and Oregon might not be ready for it. Clay Hilton got four years out of a Rose Bowl. Like that, yeah. even USC cares about Rose Bowls. Mm-hmm. Even USC cares about Rose Bowls. If you go back to it, yes, like national championships, but even just like paying attention to Smack Talk, it's always about the number of Rose Bowls you have. The Rose Bowls are the Mecca. Everyone needs to understand this. About this game in particular, now that we ran through the North uh, implications, um, I was more disappointed with Arizona State. I love Oregon State. I think the way that they play was uh, is awesome. It's fun to watch. Um, I think their run game is consistently very good, even when it's bad. I think they can often get whatever they want. Their defense looked really good against Arizona State today. Um, but I was just wildly disappointed with Arizona State and their offense in particular. Um, it was listless. If you were watching this game, Arizona State completely listless on offense. Their offensive line got no push against Oregon State's defense. Um, and again, Corvallis, they probably pay, play, uh, you know, their their level of play increases dramatically in Corvallis. But um, teams have pushed around this Oregon State team before. Rashad White wasn't able to get anything going on the ground, though he did have some really nice touches in the passing game that kind of got him going a little bit. Um but the most jarring thing about Arizona State's offense to me, just because it's a continuing trend and we've just said this over and over again, it's just how badly Jaden Daniels has regressed this season. Like, he's getting worse and worse every week. He looks absolutely brutal. And not to be super harsh to either him or Anthony Brown, but he looks a lot like Anthony Brown right now. Just like not able to make the easiest of passes, missing um, throws from four or five yards out, missing kind of screen passes, not making particularly good decisions. He didn't even really run the ball all that well this game. Um, again, a lot of this on his offensive line, which has regressed to like 2019-2018 Herm era Arizona State offensive lines. But when he did have time, he was missing throws all over the place. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I just think this coaching, I just, it, it needs to be said over and over again that this coaching staff, Herm Edwards, Zach Hill, they've ruined him. Um, they failed him. They failed to develop him. And actually their coaching has had a negative effect on Jaden Daniels. He does not look like himself out there. He doesn't look like what we saw in parts of 2020. It doesn't look like what we saw in 2019 when he was really an, an enticing prospect. Um, this was super disappointing from Arizona State. They've completely collapsed um, since Utah went on a huge run to kind of end their Pac-12 South title hopes. Um, and to be clear, again, I want to reiterate, Oregon State's a really good team, a genuinely honest-to-God, like, good team. Not elite, but good. Um, and they dominated Arizona State for much of this game, controlled it throughout. So credit to them, but I, Arizona State is spiraling right now. Yeah, um... I'm I'm not disappointed in Arizona State. I'm I'm disappointed in myself for trusting them. Uh, <laughs> I should not have taken a late comeback against UW last week as like a sign that uh, that showed they had life because clearly they don't. Jaden Daniels is just I mean you, you said it like he's just bad like crazy how fast. Well, I guess it hasn't happened fast. It's been over the whole season. But ASU fans have like now completely turned on him. Like. <laughs> it's crazy from like this off season to now where ASU fans are saying like I hate Jaden Daniels like this guy is losing They have to his hate games. the coaching staff. 
I, I agree. With yeah, you just, yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm struggling to come up with a comp with a comparable regression at the quarterback position. Um, like, because so much of what we are seeing with Jaden Daniels is definitely offset by the fact that we're comparing it to where we where the trajectory was heading and where we expected mm-hmm. him to be. I truly expected him to be offensive player of the year level this year. Like, it, it, at least from an efficiency standpoint. And I mean, this is this is really really bad. The worst one that I can think of is Khalil Tate. Oh, um, Khalil Tate at Arizona is a bad one. Even Khalil Tate, from the from the expectations and the trajectory standpoint, it was never you never saw him being more than Tim Tebow. Like you knew he couldn't throw. I mean, yeah, he but like could. he got like September Heisman vibes. But and was that hype. coming from anyone but Arizona fans? He was on the cover no, of Sports Illustrated. From a lot of people who like, I think don't so. watch, don't stay up to watch games on the East Coast. Yeah, mm. um, like it just you, no, we knew he couldn't throw. Like it, yeah. we knew he was Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. And I just I you know But even it, then, truly... even then with his with his legs, I think I think yes, people recognize that, but with Khalil Tate, like you knew that he was going to be able to get whatever he wanted on the ground and um ironically, <laughs> um, Arizona didn't go triple option because he tweeted that he did not want to go triple option, but just in terms of like what he was able to do and then the issue was is that um Kevin Slumlin tried to turn uh, Khalil Tate mm-hmm. into a passing quarterback. And that was, I think that's, that's, and that's why I think it's like a development regression thing. It's just completely misusing Khalil Tate and not playing to his strengths. I kind of think, I, I actually think what's going on here at Arizona State and Jaden Daniels feels worse to me. Like, it's, it's way not worse. even, yeah, yeah. Jaden Daniels is like a better quarterback. Yeah, he's a good thrower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can pass. <laughs> he can run and pass. I saw someone ask, uh, uh, they were like, is Jaden Daniels a transfer uh, transfer candidate this yeah, year. Yeah, Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott, yeah. And I thought that was a very in- interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, where would you... Uh, uh, first of all, do any Pac-12 teams have a shot at him? And second of all, if they did, where are you most scared to see him go? I just... My problem is that I feel like where he's at, it's, it's that nothing has happened over the last 18 months. It's that instead of actually progressing, this isn't a situation where he's actually out there running for his life and making all these crazy plays and there's just there's no talent on the edges and there's no run game to speak of so he's just getting killed or he's losing 45 to 42 battles like this isn't a situation where you feel like if he could get a defense and a set of wide receivers a la if he could go to Oregon or if he could go to I don't know Michigan or Oklahoma or something like that like it's not a it, it, he needs development. I don't think that he's just a different offensive scheme away, and that's I, that's horrific. You know, is he an off season away though? You know, can someone get him right in an off season? Can they? You know, if you if you get him to a coaching staff that maybe has, um, maybe you trust a little bit, can can he get right over an off season? I don't know. Maybe like Oregon State. We've seen it. There. Oregon State. Oh, Oregon State would be oh, would very intrigued. That. Jonathan, Jonathan Smith, Smith is the yeah. only coach in this conference that I'm worried could develop a player like Jaden Daniels over an off season to where he could actually make a difference in a different scheme. J- uh, but Jonathan? he doesn't have the talent. That's the issue. Yeah. Is he won't have the talent surrounding him. What Jonathan so it Smith, will be sorry. like what Matt just said. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> no. It will be just what Matt just said about him being, a, if if Jonathan Smith was able to develop him, he would be a really talented player in a system surrounded with no talent. So I don't think there's anywhere in this conference where he's going to get good development plus good talent around him. I just don't think there's a coaching staff. Like Oregon's not going to take him. I think Ty Thompson's clearly the future there. 
And even then, he's not going to be able to get developed at Oregon because I don't think Oregon's coaching staff is capable of that. How many how many years of eligibility would he have if he transferred? I think two, two right? Yeah. Would it be two or would it be one to play one with a... No, because COVID happened and that was his sophomore a sophomore year. He would have been a sophomore last so year. So eligibility-wise, he's a sophomore right now. Is he really? Yeah. So he has he has three to play two. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Jonathan wow. Smith made Jake Browning fifth in the Heisman voting. So, like, I will not <laughs> underestimate what he can do with Jaden Daniels. Well, Chance Nolan looked fine. Like, this week he didn't do much, which I'll talk about. But last week he looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. And that's that's Chance Nolan. Yeah. I mean, he turned Tristan Jebbia into a workable yeah. um, quarterback last year. Yeah. We didn't so, even know his name for 10 games. <laughs> if if, if Jaden Daniels is, is listening, um, go to Oregon State. Yes. <laughs> Give Jonathan Smith a call. <laughs> yes. If Jonathan Smith is still there next year with all the coaching openings this year. Nah, he'll not. be there. I he'll think he probably there. will. But Yeah, I think, I think he's the greatest coach that will ever coach at Oregon State. Yeah. He's their Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully for them, because <laughs> sounds like there's a whole lot of openings this year. He might get some offers. Um, just to wrap up this game, a couple of quick things on Oregon State. 6-0 and this year at home. Um, also, absolutely running through. They have an opportunity this week going up against Oregon. They have now beat four out of five of the preseason Pac-12 ranked teams, Oregon being the last one. Um, to go through and uh, and challenge the the Beavers um, would be remarkable because the Beavers probably end unranked anyways, <laughs> and they have be uh, they would have be every preseason ranked team um, certainly wouldn't be ranked going into the next season. <laughs> I wanted to say really quickly is BJ this is BJ Baylor's seventh game with over a hundred yards. A lot of these games have been well over a hundred yards. And I will say I still think that Drake London should win Pac twelve offensive player of the year. But BJ Baylor is making a serious argument mm-hmm. and recency bias is a huge thing in this conference. So I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of voters forgot that Drake London exists. Um he's looked really good. He looked really good in this game from the part I was able to catch. So He's consistent, yeah, and 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 may not even it may not even be recency bias. It may just be factoring like, well, hey, Drake London was only, season, yeah, yeah, and Drake London's only been able to play two thirds of the year. Like that can factor in for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think BJ Baylor's been good enough that it's not like a like it would feel disrespectful to him yeah. to be like, well, you know, Drake London over two thirds of a season is better than BJ Baylor over a full season because BJ Baylor has been awesome, like first team All Pac twelve without a doubt. I think. Is there a quarterback in your top three, maybe even thinking top four for Offensive Player of the Year for the Pac-12 this year? Cam Rising. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I, 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 I don't think so either I think, of them I think you definitely have B.J.A. Baylor. I, did, I think you definitely have Drake London. Drake London. Tavion Thomas might be there above Cam Rising or DTR with just the pure touchdown numbers. Like, I... I'm trying to think of of anybody else like Rashad White is going to be up there. I just normally for what an award and I know that like the Pac-12 loves giving it out to court, to running backs anyways, but like just you would think that quarterbacks would be interested in that award and Delora. I don't even Huh? Jaden Delora. Yeah, Yeah, he might get like honorable mention something for something for sure. I I think out of a top 5, you probably only have one quarterback there. Yeah. That's yeah. 
that's kind of shocking. Before Anyways. we move on, okay, I want to say this: this game, Arizona State at Oregon State, was written in stone before the season. We all knew it was going to happen. We all oh, yeah. knew Arizona State was going to lose. Greg picked Arizona State. <laughs> Why did you pick Arizona State? We this knew is, it was going to happen. Six months in the working. This, I, there's already a gravestone for them. You got to understand. Since, like August. You got to understand. I was in Washington D.C. and then. You DM me saying, Greg, send us your picks. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so I looked through, <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, whatever. Fuck it. I'll just take all the favorites except for Oregon. And, uh, you know, that's on me. Like I said, I'm disappointed in myself. It was stupid. Won't happen again. Easiest by bad way, vibes pick of my life. Oh, my God. Easiest. I, 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 I can't believe I did that. By the way, your boy is above 500 now. Please stop calling me Coin Flip Carlos. I am begging people, please stop <laughs> calling me Coin Flip Carlos. I'm not. above 500. Carlos bragging when I just swept six games. Okay. Carlos being three games above 500 and we'll still finish at 500. Can't wait to see how we get there. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm fading um, Carlos this week. I'll wait till he picks his games and I'll just go the opposite. The universe finds its balance. Um, all right. Let's quickly move on to the rest of the games. Um, starting with the rivalry down south, UCLA hung 62 on USC, um, winning 62 to 33 off 609 yards of total offense. DTR put on an absolute show in this game, throwing for 350 yards, four touchdowns, running for another two, um, going for personal uh, foul penalties. Um, in the second quarter, DTR ran uh, ran it in for a touchdown and then got flagged for an unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, when he went, he he. He definitely extended the run towards the corner and then kind of ran into the the wall at the end of the end zone. I don't know why any like player ever does this. They decide to run thirty yards just into the into the stands for no reason whatsoever. But a young USC fan handed him a hat and pen, which was a UCLA hat. I will I will mention, um, and DTR autographed it. Went full Terrell Owens on it. Um, and then late in the fourth quarter, USC was up forty eight to thirty three. And he UCLA, sorry, USC. that was my fault. Oh yeah, that was your fault. Uh, I didn't watch the game. UCLA <laughs> hurdled over a USC defender um, who was standing straight up. Like this was legitimately like a five foot hurdle um, to get them to and scored it for a touchdown uh, to get them to fifty five. I'm not sure how much of this game you all saw, um, but Carlos, I'm sure you were locked into every snap. Quickly, what did you think of how UCLA played? Extend, extend, chip, right? <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have to. When we're done with the season, we got to have a whole conversation about Jeff Kelly and, and coaches generally because it's nuts. Um, but this game in particular, it was electric. Like this game was fun, just in terms of it had zero implications for the Pac-12 South, the Pac-12 like championship game, national relevant, like nothing, zero implications. It did not matter whatsoever. Um, I say all that to say this was probably, and I don't mean this as like a US a UCLA fan hating on USC, probably the most fun game in the entire conference play this season. This was so fucking fun. Um, UCLA obviously got whatever it wanted offensively. Um, USC was just beating US, uh, UCLA was just beating on USC big play after big play. USC had zero answers. DTR actually got to a super rough start with two picks, but then turned on the gas and compare and like just completely went off. USC's defense continues to be horrific. That secondary um, is somehow much worse than UCLA's. 
Um, but UCLA had some playmakers. Kaz Allen, who's in his fourth year at UCLA, he's sort of UCLA's uh, was a r- running back, is now a wide receiver, mostly a pass catcher now. His speed was insane to watch when he got out into the open field. Really, really fun. Um, I will say the crowd on hand for this one was brutal. It looked like USC was playing San Jose State or UCLA was playing Fresno State or something. I think the um, the attendance, the announced attendance, was like sixty six thousand. Obviously, like no way, there was no sixty six thousand. That's just how many tickets they sold. Um, but for good reason. Neither of these teams again are super relevant. Um, but overall, fun game. Um, it was really fun to watch DTR go completely off. Have like a big, you know, like we talk about like. Heisman moments and like obviously you see a DTR is not a Heisman but like you know littler you know like Pac-12 offensive player of the year moments like this kind of could stand out for him and might vault him into that conversation for Pac-12 offensive player of the year um and then last note like you said Matt uh probably secures Chip Gailey's job for at least another year just because I don't think there's ever been a coach at UCLA who was fired after beating USC especially not one that's eight and four if UCLA goes on to beat Cal so uh, we can talk about the implications for that, but uh, the Lane Kiffin era not looking good at UCLA to start in 2022. Yeah, no, I so I had this on the background um, as I was building walls in my basement and and doing um, real dad stuff, I guess, trying not to shoot a nail through my hand. Um, I this one, I there was so many loud noises, like the the <laughs> the broadcasters. It felt like every other play. Um, we're screaming like I could have sworn Gus Johnson was on this call, um, except for screaming incessantly after an eight yard run. They were actually big plays. Um, it was really fun to see Garrett Bryant, Gary Bryant Jr. do the USC wide receiver thing. Uh, really, it felt like it's been a couple games that we just USC has been completely unrecognizable because they haven't had a game breaking wide receiver. Not saying Gary Bryant Jr. is necessarily that, but he certainly was in this game where Jackson Dart was very much so doing the, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't actually, I'm not actually reading anything. Let's throw it to that guy. Um, so that was, it was just, it was kind of fun to see that. Um, it's funny cause I think 62 to 33 is actually a really good indicator of what this game actually felt like, but there were so many moments during this game where I thought UCLA was going to lose it. <laughs> like it, it seemed like USC was coming back. It seemed like the score was close. I, I think it got down to one score at one point even. Um, but ultimately, yeah, like UCLA just, it, UCLA dominated Ryan Abraham, called it early in the season where he said that USC's defense was the get right game. Um, they could not stop a leak it. They could not stop anything. It was crazy. So um, yeah, I mean, fun game always would much prefer these games over the, uh, the six to three games um, as always. So that was good. Grapes, many of those speak for yourself. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Grapes. What do you have on this one? Yeah, I didn't watch a second of this game. I was uh, at the Utah game. But I will say they threw up all the scores of the Pac-12 games on the scoreboard. And I swear they put the logos in the wrong spot. So I absolutely thought USC won this game and not UCLA. Very confused when I got home and eventually checked the box score. I'm very happy for DTR getting that hurdle he's been looking for all season. Proud of you. Um I think it's hilarious. One for 12 ain't bad, baby. (laughs) I think it's hilarious that UCLA blew out USC at home, and every UCLA fan's probably not, like, the happiest about it because they get to stay in the Chip Kelly era. I mean, deep down they're happy because you beat your rival at home. But I guess this season it doesn't – 
it doesn't matter because everyone's beating uh, USC at home. Poor guys. Anyways, super excited for the Chip Kelly era to continue. Yeah. I hope that they <laughs> no. USC keeps Dante Williams as their head coach. Extend Let's Dante. keep it rolling. Let's no, go. Screw, screw Dante. But like genuinely, as just a Pac-12 fan, I, the Pac-12 needs the names. Like I genuinely think that Chip Kelly. I don't necessarily think that he has to be at UCLA, but having Chip Kelly at UCLA versus like Jonathan Smith and then some other like Jeffrey Allen at Oregon State, like just random white guy name. I this this actually I you need to have recognizable names in these coaching searches. I think it's super, super important. And I think that this morning we're recording on Sunday, we found out that Dan Mullen is in fact being fired. I this actually kind of is good because there's just not enough names in the coaching carousel to go around. And I think that UCLA, what would be like the sixth or seventh best job open right now? Like, and that's being really, really generous. Matt, keep your voice down or Dan Mullen's going to end up at Utah this off season. (laughs) Sweet. He's no. Okay. First of all, fine. Cool. I, That'd be fine. He can be an offensive assistant. Yes. Second of all, he's he's very much so going to Nick Saban's coaches for uh, uh, Nick Saban's school for bad coaches who want to learn how to coach good. Um, he's absolutely he'll be calling plays in a national championship game in 2022. Very happy for Dan Mullen. Um, I just I think that like I from a from an impartial like I don't actually care about UCLA and them actually winning UCLA has gotten so much more hype over the last three years over winning four to six four to seven games just because Chip Kelly is their head coach that that matters that genuinely matters I yeah think Chip th- Kelly put on that visor and it was a national story <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. uh Chip Kelly winning four games does not get them as much attention as a good coach winning nine games would though like Jim completely Moore. disagree oh I mean, they were preseason top 10, or I, I don't know if they were preseason, but Jim Mora had them in the top 10, you know? And I get that Jim Mora was also a name, we were, but yeah, like, <laughs> I think if Jonathan Smith went to UCLA and had one good season there, because it's UCLA and because if UCLA was winning, it means they're recruiting well. I, I mean, th- Chip Kelly Chip Kelly is a brand. I mean, Matt's not wrong. Chip Kelly's a brand in and of himself. I think that matters like- more at other schools, though, than it does at UCLA. Oh, no, I mean, because he worked at US, at ESPN, and the ESPN folks love him. They do love Chip Kelly. Oh um, my I, gosh, they talk up that program. Like, I mean, he I is think freaking savior. I think ten wins at UCLA, nine to ten wins at UCLA does get you more attention than four and eight UCLA with Chip Kelly. What I think, it, what I think a name like Chip Kelly gets you is, I mean, problematic for UCLA. Frankly, is some attention, but more of the wow, this is a big rebuild job. Um, boy, Chip Kelly really had to. Uh, a, a, it frames it frames it completely differently. It frames it as Chip Kelly really has to get his guys in there. He really needs a time. We know he's a great coach, and if he's not a great coach, um, then it's UCLA. It must something must something is wrong with UCLA. Um, that's the problem, I think. I, I do think it gets a lot more attention. UCLA always gets attention when it's bad, but it gets a lot more attention if a big name coach is bad. Luckily, I mean, I think that some of the national narrative has not been around like, oh, UCLA psycho if they fire him. Maybe maybe they might be now after he's beaten USC. But um, I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's like he's he, he, he probably will go in for, assuming he beats Cal. I think UCLA, if nothing else, extremely frustrating this year, if nothing else, has been consistent. They've beaten um, all of the teams that they should have beaten. Except and they lost. State. 
Um, well, you know what? But Fresno State's like good. Fresno like, State's uh, probably a better team. Yeah, Fresno State in this Pac-12 might win eight games. Actually, no. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, say what you will. Fresno I mean, State starters. I, I, I. Yes, I okay, agree with the go. mid-major. They have shit depth. I yeah. agree. I mean, yes. When um, you play any team that you play in the first three weeks of the season, they're just you can evaluate them that way. Yeah, but I mean, teams that you would classify as at decent, they're losing to, and teams that you would classify classify as mediocre to bad, they beat. Which I guess has not been the case at UCLA in a few years. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We can t- again, we can talk about. We don't have to talk about Chip Kelly. We're gonna have so much conversation <laughs> about Chip Kelly. You know, we should talk about him I'm after the Pac-12 title the rest, game. I'm hijacking the rest of basketball season to talk about. Uh, Pac-12 coaching. <laughs> Please do. It doesn't make any sense to me. So you can you can tell us. I do like uh, that he ran up the score in a rivalry game. I'm always in favor of that. And it so 48, <laughs> 40. He went up went for 48, two 48. That was so good. Yeah, 48 to 33. Oh. And and I tweeted like me a a dumb cat troll tweeted. Please go for two so we can get 50. We need this. And then he went for two. They didn't get it. But then they got 55, and then with, like, two minutes left, they were driving, and USC had, like, they weren't going to stop it, no timeouts. Um, UCLA fans were like, oh, we want him to go for 60, but we know he's not going to do it. And then he did it. Ethan Fernea, who, um, longtime UCLA player, walk-on, a guy that Utah fans dogpiled on for some innocuous comment, as they always do, um, <laughs> a while ago. Um, Ethan Fernea got the touchdown. Very cathartic for everyone to get, like, 62. So He was tough. <laughs> he even said it. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I do think, um, you know, this season, I, I think we can comfortably say that if DTR was playing against UT, uh, Utah, this would be a much different season. UCLA would be the Pac-12 South champs right now. Um, so, you know, very sad. Very sad stuff. But uh, whatever. It's fine. I'm obviously joking. The, Utah, Utah would have played UCLA either way. I think UCLA's basketball team should have traveled with them to Utah. I think that definitely would have improved <laughs> their odds. Would have gotten Why? Much better Who for wants them? to go to Utah? Who wants to go there? I wouldn't. You've been to Utah. <laughs> I, for, I've seen on my own accord for non <laughs> for non for non UCLA football games. Actually, yes, I'm a psycho. You all have trapped me. <laughs> Greg, anything else on this one? No, I I didn't really have any other thoughts other than okay. I loved running up the score in a rivalry game. Would have been better if the two teams cared and didn't kind of suck run up the score in every game it, i agree have fun yeah what? there's Why there's 12 of nice? these things if they don't want no you to run up the mercy. score stop them you know like yeah true yeah let them run up the score I, the I, listen bench dudes need entertainment too okay mm-hmm. they, they don't want to sit there for 60 minutes of six to three nobody does Although I will say to UCLA fans, don't say shit when USC runs up the score like they did in uh 2011 when they went when they got 50 to nothing um you just got to stop them. And I'm happy running up this. It's a rivalry. Run up the score. Whoever's, whoever can run up the score, run up the goddamn score. I miss running up the score in rivalry games. <laughs> I miss it so much. R.I.P. Um, hopefully we never have to see that crap again. Uh, all right. Let's quickly talk about the other rivalry game this week. Uh, big game. Cal beat Stanford. Um, Cal did something to Stanford. 41 to 11. Off 637, I don't think that Cal could even generate a number that large in a season um, (laughs) of total offense. 
they were in control for most of the game. It looked like the Cheez-It Bowl to start. Um, there was We started with a Stanford pick, Cal fumble, Stanford turnover on downs at the goal line, Cal pick, then another Stanford turnover <laughs> down, on downs at the goal line um, until Cal finally scored in the second quarter. I just want to talk about how there's five possessions in a first quarter. That's amazing <laughs> for these two teams. Talk about high pace. This is like high-octane stuff. Um, Tanner McKee played. He looked really good despite the two picks. Of course he did. Um, he had 247 yards of offense in this one and was really their only source of offense yet again. Um, but the story was Cal's rushing attack, which had an insane 352 yards. Um, we say insane. It really is mostly, but also, you know, not even like the highest that Stanford has given up this year. Um, 151 of those coming off of two big carries. Did any of you watch this game? Um, and what what did we have out of this one? <laughs> Absolutely did not watch this game. Not a second of it. Um, <laughs> all three Cal and Stanford fans that were going at it on Twitter can yell at me if they want to. Um, Tan- I'm really sorry about your prediction, Matt, that Stanford would be competent. They looked competent as hell. You know, shout out to Tanner McKee. Shout out to Tanner McKee for getting 240 yards. Um on this team like Tanner McKee is a hero he should get a statue at Stanford Mm -hmm. he is all they have um Chase Garbers is he good discourse time I think he is Uh, above average I think Chase Garbers is just a football player I think that's just what we need to call him I don't even think (laughs) it's fair to like actually call him good or quarterback or bad or anything he's just a football player (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I'm glad I didn't watch this game, but it sounds like it was really fun for all the Cal fans that are just so depressed. So I'm glad you guys could have some joy in your lives. Yeah, I also watched zero seconds of the game of this game live until I went and a complete sicko at like 12:30 midnight um, last night. Found a 30 minute highlight package on YouTube. Um, Cocaine you is a hell on... of a drug, kids. Oh, <laughs> it was. Um... <laughs> yeah, imagine doing. All this to watch fucking Cal and Stanford Jesus. on a thirty for thirty minutes and just watching most of their plays, disgusting stuff. Anyway, watch zero seconds, thirty minute um, highlight package on YouTube. You hit on all the points, Matt. This game was ugly early. Stanford is complete ass without Tanner McKee and just kind of normal ass with him. Um, <laughs> it was good to see him out there. I thought he looked. I thought it looked good. I did want to point out one absolutely fucking insane decision from David Shaw early on in the game. What in the, fir- in the Shaw? first quarter? In the first quarter, at about the 10-minute mark, Stanford had a fourth and goal from about the three-and-a-half-yard line. Fourth down, three-and-a-half-yard line to get to the end zone. David Shaw called for a QB sneak from Tanner McKee. Like, unbelievable galaxy brain. Unbelievable galaxy brain shit to call a QB sneak from three-and-a-half yards out with Tanner McKee. I have never seen a QB sneak called to gain nearly four yards before. Did it work? No, obviously it did not work. <laughs> he, he, knew the kids, he knew the kids were mad at him for throwing fades. You either yeah, get a well, fade or this. What do you want out of the man? Ironically, ironically, Stanford's next drive, they got down to the goal line. Um, again, went down to the goal line um, and uh, got to fourth and goal, threw a fade, and that didn't work. <laughs> and David uh, Shaw has we, the safest job in this damn conference. Yeah. It doesn't oh make God. sense. That has to I've, listened to so, like, I've listened to like three weekly recap podcasts nationally, and every single one of them is like, oh, yeah, there's no such thing as a hot seat at Stanford. Like, this dude doesn't even eat. 
he is the air conditioning is still running. It's November. Like it's, he will fire some amazing. assistance and he'll be fine. Like that's doesn't yeah. even need to do that. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say one other thing. Cal might be good. Uh, cat that Cal UCLA game. Not a guarantee. Oh God! For UCLA. Shut up, <laughs> Carlos. Here's Greg. <laughs> Greg, your turn. Yeah. Greg, Think you talk. I just want to say. I'm not. No, we're six hundred yards we're doesn't count if it happens against that. Stanford. First of all, uh, outside of that, it was just mostly kind of uninteresting. But uh, it was a great audition for Justin Wilcox for the UW job. <laughs> um, I desperately need uh, Washington fans to use this game to get themselves excited for the Justin Wilcox era. Please hire him, Jen Cohen. And uh, that's all I have to say. Okay, can I just can I just want to say this? Can no, please just let can't. me talk about Cal I, oh, real God quick? I just want to say since the bye week again, close loss to Oregon. They beat what? Did they? Uh, I don't know. They won three of their last four, and their one loss was to Arizona. While like thirty of their scholarship players, they were beat out. Oregon State. They beat that's Oregon a good State. Point. Fuck, is Cal good? I, I think I think Cal <laughs> might be okay. I think, and I they're not, not okay. Don't get tricked. <laughs> Oregon State played them on the road. Uh, is, this your first, is this your first time watching Pac-12 football? I'm very confused by this take. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, Cal always sucks us in. I, I mean, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying, like, I'm looking at it here. They beat the shit out of Colorado, which is apparently okay now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they beat comfortably beat Oregon State. Went to Tucson without 30 of their scholarship players, and were playing with like me at quarterback. Um, and lost that game, and then beat the shit out of Stanford with Tanner McKee. I I don't know. I'm just saying they're gonna get two shots at bowl eligibility here against the LA schools at UCLA, and then at home against USC oh, after yeah. the Pac-12 I title the USC game. USC game got moved. Yeah. So um, I don't know. We'll see. Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm done. Okay. Let's talk about the rest of the games. <laughs> Washington State beat Arizona. Um, on Friday night, 44 to 18. And what was an absolutely, it, there was fog, there was snow flurries, there was rain. It is really weird game. Um, almost unwatchable and not just because ESPN had truck camera truck 30 there. Um, we we're on a low angle camera this whole time because you just couldn't see anything from the normal camera camera angle. Um, and then in the game of the year, shout out <laughs> Owen twelve absolutely called this one. Mm-hmm. Talk about happiness and love and joy for all who partook. Uh, Washington lost to Colorado in Boulder twenty to seventeen, despite outgaining the bus four hundred and twenty six yards to one hundred and eighty three. These were one of the more sickoiest games in the league. An incredible week for that on separate days could could enjoy in their totality. Um, did you keep up with either of these games? Were you impressed by any of these teams at all or just the spectacle, the spectacle that lay before you? Um, Greg, your thoughts. So first of all, I was working during the Wazoo game, so I couldn't watch, but I guess neither could we and I watched the game. Well, you don't have a job, okay? So no, I'm just, I'm just saying. The Arizona I'm saying, basketball I'm saying game. because no one could watch that game. Literally, oh, yeah. it was. I see. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw the screenshots, but if people, if you went go look at some screenshots, I, I saw of the those game, and I saw it's some all white. clips from the game. Yeah, yes. it was wild. Yes, but uh, very proud of the Cougs because the outcome that I'm looking for out of the North is them winning a three-way tie. That would make me the happiest. But uh, on to the main event. I watched almost all of the UW Colorado game and yet I remember almost none of it. Like I think my I think it's possible that my brain is repressing those memories because like that was some 
truly disgusting hey, football. L- LSD can do the same thing, baby. It's tr- well, yeah, it's the same, yeah. Um, <laughs> however, I do have a new theory about Colorado's uh, old offensive line coach, all right? Oh, I'm so excited for this. Previously, I had thought that this coach was drugging Colorado's players because they'd played <laughs> so much better since he was gone. But in this game, they played like shit again. And if I hadn't known that this coach was gone, I would think he was still drugging the players. And so, you know, I have to look for more ideas. And I found one. I have to ask this question first. Has anyone seen Colorado's offensive line coach since he was fired? Have any of you seen him? I that's don't an, even know That's his a negative. Name. No, you haven't seen him. And you know why you haven't seen him? Because he doesn't Why, exist. Greg? Because Carl Durrell uh, sacrificed him to uh, an ancient god in exchange for some okay. modicum of success over the rest of the season. Uh, that's right. This makes sense because if you watch the UW-Colorado game or looked at the box score, you know that the only possible way Colorado should have won this game was divine intervention. In conclusion... Carl Durrell sacrificed his offensive line coach, and as a result, Colorado has been 500 since. Uh, Carl Durrell, coach of the year, in my opinion, because of this. Just because he sacrificed his offensive line coach yeah, to Human the sacrifice is a lot more innovative than whatever the hell Chip yeah, Who else is doing <laughs> that? <laughs> you know? And notice how it was an offensive line coach. Like, it wasn't his coordinator, it was the defensive coordinator. Just a, just a position coach out there. I think we Not have really to be worried much. as Utah There's fans. There's a lot of them. He might sacrifice a grad assistant, and then Colorado will cover <laughs> next week. No! Before the Utah game. <laughs> oh, Holy game. shit. Have you guys looked at the EPA for this game? No. No. Oh, of my course God. I have. <laughs> Colorado was negative. <laughs> Colorado was negative 20.18. Cool. Cool. Offensive expected points added. They were negative. They were point, losing 20 points. They were negative 0.31 points per play. That is absurd. That's bad. Now, oh my gosh. This is wow. Yeah. Um, this is a hell of a box score. I definitely just enjoyed this to the fullest. Um, it was absolutely hilarious hearing, um, again, in the middle of construction, I laughed like every three to four minutes in this one because you would hear like Washington driving, Washington driving, Washington on like the plus 30 and interception and fumble and 20 yard penalty. They don't even make those still made it still figured out a way to do it. Um, and then every single time the Colorado would get the ball, it was three and out three and out and another three and out and still the whole time you're just like yep absolutely no it's 14 to 14 this feels right 100 percent. let's let's do it um this was a hilarious game to watch um i'm hearing again there were uh multiple um multiple noise complaints called in against our guy owen 12 uh that um I think that he was kind of holed up in this home as if he was a, a Polish drug lord, I think is, is what the reports <laughs> were. Um, RIP, not sure. I think we heard from him later that day. Obviously, you know, the, the only slice of joy in his day on Saturday. Um, really happy that all that, uh, that Colorado and UW came through, though. This, this was a good one. Yeah. Uh, it was porn disgusting. is what it was. It was excellent. Yeah, I have no idea how Colorado won this game. I was firmly on the boat that Colorado maybe is good. 
Yeah, Greg knows. I like Greg's theory. <laughs> I was firmly on the boat that Colorado could be good. I think I'm back on the Colorado as a bad train. I'm confused. I'm genuinely confused about what's going on here. Colorado's um, frauds. Co- yeah, true. That's one thing we know is Colorado's frauds. Um, Dylan Morris is terrible quarterback. Dylan Morris almost got 400 yards, and I'm still convinced he's one of the worst quarterbacks in this conference. Uh, Will Plummer might be better than him now. I... He's bad. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. And as someone that really badly needs UW to beat Wazoo next weekend in the Apple Cup so that our sweet, sweet Oregon State Beavlet can make it into the conference championship, I'm terrified. I'm scared. I am not prepared. Um, the coaching staff here, and thank God they've all been fired, not starting Sam Heward is a travesty. Like Dylan Morris is unsalvageable absolutely disgusting uh Colorado's lucky Colorado is very lucky that they won this game I'm by Colorado I mean uh Carl Dorrell he is not good and yeah I didn't watch a ton of this game but uh, wow wow Colorado who knew Colorado getting way less yards than our opponent would eventually work for them yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) like they were Colorado yardage watch and they won (laughs) You merely adopted the 180 yards of offense. Colorado was born by it, yeah. molded by it. <laughs> Colorado's um, been charging up for this game the whole year. Yeah. This is oh. it. Signature win for Carl Durrell. I need to talk about Wazoo, Arizona. Wazoo's good. I predicted that Washington State would finish last in the Pac-12 North, and I am so fucking stupid. Um, Wazoo's good, and I think Arizona might be okay now. Like They look like they're on the up and up. Like, they got blown out by Washington State, but it was a Friday night road game in Pullman. Like, we knew it would happen. It's written in stone. But Arizona looks okay, and I'm very excited to see what Arizona does this week against their rival. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a letdown game? Oh, Oh, buddy. (laughs) The way Arizona State looks and the way Arizona looks, holy shit. We talked a lot about that graveyarding in August. Your boy talked about this this territorial cup, too. Yeah, two weeks ago, I would have been like, yeah, no chance, but... We might we might be in some for some for some Sun Devils tears. Um, yeah, my attention was divided on both of these games, um, especially Washington State Arizona, just because insanely hard to watch, like actually very hard to watch because of the fog. Um, and also Arizona is playing a big and fun basketball game at the same time. That's I was true. kind of watching Arizona basketball <laughs> yeah. over Arizona football. Um, from what I could see, <laughs> Jaden Delora looked good. I guess <laughs> he was kind of his entire thing was just uh, chucking it to hey. Uh, you know, uh, what's what's one of the Terrell? Oh, I can't. I'm blanking on his names. Travell Harris and Calvin Jackson Jr. They're down there somewhere. Um, and and really, that's what he had to do. Um, Arizona hung tough. I was really impressed with their defense. Um, at, at first, I don't know, maybe for the first like quarter and a half, two quarters. Um, I thought offensively they were moving the ball kind of early, and just stalled out after they crossed the fifty. But uh, I don't know. This game was whatever. Washington State covered hard to watch that to the point where I just kind of wasn't paying attention to it, but it'll set up a nice matchup, uh, an apple cup next week. And then Washington, Colorado, complete disaster. Actually thought Washington was moving the ball pretty well, but some really stupid turnovers killed them. Um, Colorado actually took an early 10 to nothing lead after Dylan Morris, um, 
fumbled the snap at the goal line. Colorado then picked it up and returned it for a touchdown. 14-point swing at that point in the game. Uh, Colorado is up 3-0. It was perfect. It was uh, so beautiful. That's how you win with 183 yards of total offense when 97 yards come from defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn, awesome. turnover luck, EPA turnover luck, 17.8 points. Great. Uh, wow. <laughs> Good job, Colorado. Um, like the entire offense, EPA turnover luck. <laughs> unreal. Um, yeah, no, every time Washington – the reason why Washington just completely out outgained um, Colorado is just because every time Washington was getting a drive going offensively, like either a pick from Dylan Morris or a fumble like blew it for them, like every single time. It was like Arizona, Arizona State from last year, except like, I don't know, Colorado is Arizona times two. Um, so very stupid game. The middle of it was a snooze fest, and I pretty much checked out of it when uh, UCLA-USC started, but um, ah, whatever. Washington sucks, and now that they have a, their coaches fired, we'll have to see who they get. Colorado is, I don't know, whatever. We'll see next year. They're, they're, they actually need, Colorado needs one more win to exceed their preseason um, win expect. Like, they were predicted, uh, their line was four Shut and a half up. wins. Their line was oh. four and a half wins. Who do they, so, who do they play? Yeah, they'll play Utah. But, uh, wasn't, so, wasn't Utah's line eight and a half to start the season, too? That bet is going to hit. I don't God, know how. Fucking Vegas. <laughs> That's creepy. Vegas creepy nailing stuff. it in this one. Oh my gosh. What was Oregon's? Is was Oregon's not I nine and a half? I think Oregon's was nine and a half, yeah. Well, they're at nine and two right now. <laughs> Beef, let, let's go. Hey, they fucked up on Oregon State's, though, I'm sure of it. I have been informed uh, by an, a Washington fan uh, that Hewer didn't play last week because uh, – if he had played, he well, I guess this week. Uh, if he had played, he wouldn't be able to play in the oh, Apple yeah. Cup to preserve the red shirt. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> All right. That is it for our games. We have a new game that we're going to play. This is this is our episode for Thanksgiving week, so we are going a little bit long with uh, to accommodate your travel needs because we are all about you, the listener, and we want to meet your needs. So, Carlos, you have prepared a trivia game for the three of us to play, um, naturally, because you'll go 5,500 on this game and won't have any chance at winning. <laughs> so I, I appreciate, I appreciate you, you doing this for us. Let's, let's hear what you got. Yeah, I just thought we'd do a little bit of Pac-12 trivia. One of my favorite things to do while I'm just, whatever, in bed or hanging around is go to Pac-12 uh, stats and individual and team stats and just look at who are leaders in the conference. And I was doing that before this. I'd be like, oh, I wonder if people would guess some of these. So I just wanted to kind of see if you all could guess the statistical leaders in some categories, um, individual and team. The first Colorado. one here I have, uh, <laughs> the first one here <laughs> I have is I, I. There are ten running backs in the Pac-12 who have gotten ten rushing touchdowns or more. S- there's six. Sorry, six. Six running backs. Did okay. I, say that? I was like, God damn. <laughs> six. Sorry. Let me get that right. Six uh, Pac-12 running backs who have rushed for ten rushing touchdowns or more. Can you name them? BJ is this Baylor. a group project? Tavion okay. Thomas. Yes, BJ Baylor, CJ Tavion Verdell. Thomas. Travis Dye. Not CJ, not CJ Verdell. How many did so we CJ have, get? Uh CJ Verdell got No, no, okay. Uh, let's let's actually work together on this. I know it, listen, So wait, we've I'm already hold back the woman here. Um <laughs> BJ Baylor, wait, hold on. We already got some of them. BJ Baylor, Tavion, Tavion Thomas. Tavion Thomas. And who was the other one? Travis Dye. 
Travis Dye. Okay, those three are in. So Chavion Thomas has seven. Tavion Thomas has seventeen. B.J. Beller has twelve, and Travis Dye has twelve. Uh, does Charbonnet Sorry, have ten? Twelve. Wow, I would not Zach have expected Char- Dye to have that much. Zach Charbonnet has twelve, also. Yeah, I would, I would go four. Charbonnet. What about Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram does is not on this list. He has five. Oh wow. He I guess. Mm. C.J. Verdell has six. Mm, I, he just got injured so early. Let's see. Uh, so you're missing two. Uh, Rashad White. Rashad oh, White's God, five. Yeah. One more. Ooh. Is Chip Trainum on there? Chip Trainum is not on here. Chip Trainum has six. Oh man, I feel like I should know this one. Uh, is, is Jared Broussard doesn't? Which no. he should. He should. He's though. good enough. Yeah. 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 They, he has two. He um, absolutely should have more Borgie, than that. I will right? say. It's Max Borgie. Is it Borgie? Wow. Yeah, that's Wazoo's the, that's... own Britain Covey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's the list. So Tavion Thomas, Rashad White, uh, BJ Baylor, Zach Charbonnet, Travis Dye, and Max Borgie. Y'all have 10 or more. I was torn between Borgie and Malapai. I was yeah. torn between Borgie and then I was going to say Cunningham from Arizona, but then it occurred to me that Arizona's not scoring that much. What am I talking about? <laughs> nope. I don't think they have 10 rushing touchdowns on the season. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, That's a next, good one. Yeah, next one here. Uh, I just, real simple one, one name. Who is uh, the current leader in passing touchdowns in the Pac-12 this season? With 23. Delora. Yeah, Delora. Just, yeah, wow, great job. Wow, <laughs> did not. Wow, I, I thought that was going to be kind of hard for y'all. Um, it's either it is McKee too. Uh, McKee's close. missed time, so he might. So Dorian Thompson, they, Dorian Thompson, Robinson's too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's Chance Nolan at seventeen. Oh, Garbers wow. at six. Chance Nolan at seventeen wow. touchdowns. Yeah, he's been <laughs> passing way too much. What? Yeah. Johnny Garbers passing the ball. Garbers is sixteen, and then number five is Tanner McKee at number fourteen, tied with Tanner McKee, Dylan Morris, number four. <laughs> All right, sticking with not, passing not leaders good for the thick boy narrative. <laughs> sticking with passing leaders, give me the five uh, quarterbacks with. The most pa- the five leaders in passing yards. Five Chase Garbers is Pac-12. one of them. Garbers. Chase Garbers. Delora. Chase Garbers is one of them. Jaden Delora is the second one. He's the leader Slovis. at twenty five hundred yards. Uh, no. Keaton Slovis not on here. I no. just figured Keaton Drake Slovis London is... would carry him for. Oh, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> the the, the um, London factor there is good. DTR. Yeah. DTR is number four at twenty two forty five. Um. Is Chance no one on there? Chance Nolan no. is number nine, twenty one hundred. These had, last two are it. these last two are shocking. So Daniels, okay, hold on. Did so we who do we him? have so far? We have we have Delora, Delora Dorian Thompson Robinson, Chase Garbers, three of five. Tanner McKee. No, he's number six. Is yeah, Daniels on there? Oh. No, Daniels not here. Cam number rising? eight. No, I told no, you the last two are shocking. Left? He hasn't played enough games. Who's left? Who's left? Ariz- Hold- one of the Arizona quarterbacks. No. Nope. So Will Plummer, who are we Will forgetting? Oh my God, Brendan Lewis? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Brendan Lewis is eleven. All right, stay off the Dylan weed. Morris? Dylan yeah, Morris, is number Dylan two. Morris. Yeah. Dylan Morris is number two. And Anthony Brown is number three. Yeah. I forgot yeah. Dylan Morris has some insane like passing stats, considering how ass yeah. he's been. Yeah. So that is um. Dylan Morris has legitimately been really, really good between the twenties. Can't do anything once they're in the red zone, but he's like <laughs> been really good between the twenties. They move no, the but, ball. But Washington's one of the most efficient red zone offenses. Really? In the it conference. ain't from Dylan Morris. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay between the thirties. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
Um, okay, last one. This is a quick one. It's a team. It's a team stat. I was just curious. I was kind of Colorado. looking this up. <laughs> I was kind of looking this up. We don't really talk about interceptions that much, but I was curious to hear your all's guesses. Who there are two teams that lead the league. Two teams that lead the league in interceptions. Like Take Arizona, it. not not give, no. not throwing them. Oh, Washington getting them. Yeah, Washington. Two of them. Hold, Washington. They both have fourteen. Washington. No, it's not Washington. Wow. Oregon. Oregon. Yes, that's one of them. What's the other one? Fourteen interceptions. God that's a lot. damn. ASU. ASU is the other Let's one. Go. Good job, wow. All right, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Um. Good job, Greg. Okay, I can't that's... get over how we guessed every quarterback in the conference except for Dylan Morris and Anthony. Literally, Brown. you were at Will Plummer I asked and Brandon Lewis. Arizona quarterbacks. <laughs> that is so dumb. They're that's okay. Well, just think about how bad you guess, but Will Plummer was a real guess. I would have guessed. I would have legitimately guessed Will Plummer. <laughs> all right, that's all I had for back to trivia. But uh, that yeah, right. that's it. Yeah, that was that was genuinely pretty good. Uh, Carlos with a with a decent ad to the podcast for once, incredible. Um, okay, so that's it. Um, let's go to next week, uh, final week of regular season ball games. Let's pick them. First up, four and seven, Colorado uh, travels to Salt Lake City to play Pac-12 South champs Utah in the first of a Friday doubleheader at one p.m. Pacific. Utah's a 24-point favorite in the battle for Vegas odds makers. Grapes who win who covers. Well, now I wish I knew if Carl Durrell is going to sacrifice one of his assistants because that could throw a <laughs> feels serious like that's something that should butt. be reported, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're grad like, that's assistants. A season Nobody knows energy. about them. Like exactly, he could do it in silence. Oh, the spread is big, and this game, you know, we've already clinched the South, and we know Kyle Whittingham doesn't like running up the score, and style points don't really matter now that Oregon's not going to the college football playoff. So Utah's going to win this game. Colorado's absolute ass. I don't know why I thought they were good for like two weeks. Um, Utah's going to win. I don't think they're going to cover. I think they're just going to throw out the second and third stringers there in the second half, so... Yeah, no, Utah covers for sure. Utah by 100. Uh, you, I don't know if they. I think they win for sure. It'll be. It won't be close. But will they cover? Yeah, let's say they cover. They tend to. I don't know. It's again in Salt Lake City. Um, I don't. I think they cover. I don't think that was a big. The Oregon game was not a big enough letdown. It wasn't a close game by any means. It wasn't some emotional game. It was comfortable. So they got to take off the entire second half to kind of center themselves and get ready. I, I think they cover. I mean, if they don't cover, it's because Kyle Whittingham decides that they don't want to cover. It's yeah, not going to be because Colorado's Colorado crawls back. Like, well, I mean, it might be a backdoor, but it'll be yeah, a backdoor. Name, name of, the game where Witt has done that. Uh, most games. Where no, no, no. Has, on like a... Okay. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think Carl knows that after that Washington game, the sacrifice of uh, Mitch Rodriguez, which is the... Uh, offensive line coach that was sacrificed i think he knows that the energy from that has been spent and so i think he's going to sacrifice a grad assistant to get this cover for the boosters (laughs) but utah's gonna win yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) um second game on friday this one is 5 p.m pacific the apple cup six and five wazoo travels to seattle to play four and seven washington wazoo is favored by a point and a half 
This one has major Pac-12 North implications. Again, if Washington State wins, we'll be rooting for, they'll be, well, they'll, we will all be rooting uh, for Oregon State regardless to win. Which would win the Cougs, the North, if they lose Oregon, Oregon State is for the title. Uh, Carlos, who wins, who covers? Oh, I can't believe Washington State is a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Seattle. I mean, it makes sense because Washington just kind of looks like it's giving up. Um, I really – I'm going to be rooting hard for the Huskies. I really want Oregon State to get to the Pac-12 title game. I think that would be the more intriguing opponent for Utah over Washington State. I also just really like Oregon, watching Oregon State football more. Uh, but I think Washington State wins, um, which would effectively eliminate Oregon State from the Pac-12. Not effectively, it would eliminate Oregon State from the Pac-12 title game. Uh, but give me Washington State. I think they win, and of course they cover. Sources are saying that the uh, reason that Sam Hewitt did not play in previous ball games was to hold him out to be able to play in this mm. game. Um, I think Sam Hewitt gets the start, plays all snaps. And it's the Apple Cup. Much like Bedlam, many things can happen in this game. Washington can score, can win by a little. Washington can win by a lot. Um, I think we're. I think Washington wins this game. Um, now, as I've said, uh, the outcome that I want from this week is Wazoo winning the North in a three-way tie, and uh, I and because of this, I uh, I'll be rooting for Wazoo to win the Apple Cup. And also, I don't trust them to start Sam Heward, and Dylan Morris is a war criminal. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to pick Wazoo to win this game and cover because, yeah, yeah not, I'm not picking Wazoo to win, but <laughs> only by one. I'm, I'm disgusted that Greg doesn't want to see our beloved Beavlet in the conference championship. I really want to see Jaden Delara in Vegas. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to watch Wazoo play in Vegas. Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, every time I've picked Washington to win a game, they've lost, so I'm very conflicted here. Uh, I really want there to be strong implications going into the Platypus War, or whatever it's called now, on Saturday. <sighs> I'm going to pick Washington. I hope it doesn't fail me this time. I believe in Sam Heward. Excellent. Um, on Saturday, did we get a time on this one for Platypus uh, Cup? Uh, I don't know. Let me check. I don't I know. It's do. TBD on my sheet. 12, 12.30. 12.30. Awesome. Might even be in order then. Um, it is the battle for the Platypus Trophy. Um, that, that's what we're calling it. I don't. We, we run this narrative. We can make the narrative here, Carlos. I don't know why you need to talk about whether or not that's actually what the name is. Uh, <laughs> seven and four, Oregon State travels to Eugene to play nine and two, Oregon. This game would be for the North if UW beats Wazoo. If not, then Oregon needs to win this game uh, or the North title goes to the Coug. Oregon is a seven-point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers? Well, every time... Uh... Well, I guess the only time that I've picked against Oregon this year, uh, they won, and I want them to lose. So I will be picking Oregon to win this game, and uh, I'll be picking Oregon State to cover. Um, I am picking Oregon to win. This last week, um, I think it's tough because I think Oregon State wants to do a lot of the same things that Utah just did to Oregon, but I don't think that Oregon State has half the defense that Utah does. So I think I think Oregon can actually hang with them. This should be a really fun game. Yeah. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I bet the over you will should, be good, yeah. You should genuinely watch this ball game. Yeah. Oregon State needs to take 
Utah's script for how they played Oregon. That's how you're going to win this game. Just run. Jonathan Smith, if you're listening, I know you're a devout listener to this podcast. Please don't pass the ball. Don't pass the ball. I mean, you can a little bit, but don't. I need I need BJ Baylor. 14. I need BJ Baylor to get 200 yards, please. Um, Oregon State, I know it's not in Corvallis, but pretend it's close. It's like an hour away. I don't know. Pretend it's Corvallis. Get your fans there. I need you to win this game. Uh, go be let. You're going to cover. You you can do it. Oh, I was really hoping that this, Avery was going to make this her bad, bi- bad vibes game of the week. It really does. No, kind of bad, bad, bad vibes. vibes don't work against Oregon <laughs> since the Stanford <laughs> game. That's true. I know they don't. But this is a letdown game for Oregon. Their playoff hopes just got completely ripped from their hands. Oregon State has a lot to play for. Oregon fans are all distraught and don't care about the Rose Bowl, apparently. It's the same as the Vegas Bowl to them. I don't know. This game has bad vibes to me. I think Oregon State actually does win this one. And Oregon fans don't want the Rose Bowl. No, they don't. So you don't get to play for it. You can play for the Holiday Bowl. You don't deserve nice things. Always a good sign when coin flip Carlos picks you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) On Saturday at noon Pacific, we have the Territorial Cup. One and ten Arizona travels up to uh, travels up the road to Tempe to play seven and four Arizona State. Devils are a twenty and a half point favorite. You absolute crazy bastards. Um, Let's let's take a look at this because this is our Secos game of the week. We picked this in the preseason. This, uh, yeah, Arizona is covering. No doubt about it. I will pick Arizona State. I don't know why, (laughs) but I'm picking Arizona State. Yeah, this is a bad vibes game of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Is this our first crossover? Yeah, Yeah, this is the first time we've both had some. Vibes are are already bad. Uh, Arizona State has nothing to play for. I want to change my pick. Their staff is garbage disposable. Jaden Jaden Daniels might be in the transfer portal already as we speak. I Arizona looks okay. This isn't at home, but it's still in Arizona where it's hot and they are playing at 1 p.m. right Pacific time. I feel good. I I mean I don't feel good, but Jetfish might be okay. Arizona State might not give a shit. Ah, this might be what gets Herm Edwards fired. It absolutely will be what gets Herm Edwards fired if he loses. Give me Arizona. Go Wildcats. My goodness, I did it. I was wondering if you were going to do it. I didn't think you'd actually do it. Wow. I thought you were going to count UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to point out something here in both of Herm Edwards' full seasons at Arizona State. He went 75 in the regular season. Arizona State is 7-4 and four right now, and um, I don't know. Arizona State looks pretty broken to me. Arizona has a lot to play for. They want to atone for that 70-7 debacle last year. I am I know that maybe going with the vibes doesn't always work. All right, Avery. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Avery, <laughs> in, order, in order for your vibes to manifest, who do I need to pick? Do I need to pick Arizona State? Yes. Okay, <laughs> I'm picking Put it on the graphic. I'm picking Arizona State. But secretly, <laughs> secretly, I think Arizona's going to win this game. <laughs> um, I've already picked Arizona to win a game against a team I thought had quit already this season. I'm not going to do it again, but I wish them the best of luck. I think they'll cover. (laughs) 
Yes. The vibes are confirmed. You Thank play you. to go seven and five. <laughs> Another rivalry game. Ten and one Notre Dame travels to Palo Alto to play competent, very, very competent three and eight Sanford. Uh, time is also TBD on this sheet. We don't need to look it up. Notre Dame are 17 point favorites. Carlos, who wins, who covers? Um, I hate picking the truck stop, but I think the truck stop's going to win this one. Stanford uh, looks bad. I don't think Tanner McKee's going to be able to get much going. He's that, that, that man needs some help. Someone help out Tanner McKee. I think Notre Dame wins. I think they probably cover too. Yeah, I, I also am picking the truck stop here. Um, religious truck stop. Really, really not feeling comfortable about it at all, if, if I'm honest. Notre Dame by 50. Yeah. Okay, rude. Um, you didn't need to I'm go sorry. that far. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Matt, we, we choose the religious truck stop here, so we don't have to choose the religious truck stop on the next one. <laughs> well, I have some bad news. I might be oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stanford's bad. They're really bad. Notre Dame's, I don't think Notre Dame's great, but they're definitely better than some of this conference. Stanford isn't winning this, especially, yeah, they're not covering either. Notre Dame's going to win by at least 20 points. Tanner McKee, this is your moment. I, I beg of you. Uh, that night, 7.30 Pacific, BYU is traveling to the Coliseum to play 4-6 and six USC. BYU is a seven-point favorite. Greg, who wins, who covers... USC quit. Uh, BYU is going to go 5-0 and against the Pac-12 this year, and uh, I'm sad about it, but at the same time, it's very easy to ignore them, and that brings me some joy, so whatever. Everybody wins in the Coliseum this year. Ugh, Greg ruined it. I'm picking USC because I still wanted the graphic to do the thing because hashtag engagement. <laughs> Yeah, no matter how much BYU fans ratio us, I don't care. I'm not choosing BYU. Uh, if they lose to arguably the worst Pac-12 team they've played this season, I will feel very, very vindicated. Therefore, it will happen. Uh, give me <laughs> USC. Please bring Drake London back. Do whatever Washington did to ZTF. Uh, yeah, can we? We, we need him. <laughs> Can we tell them about the the sacrificing trick? Have we yeah, have we idea. tried that? Someone should Get... alert Dante. <laughs> yeah, I I need USC. I need you to look good. Sacrifice Todd Orlando, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm never picking BYU on principle. I'm gonna pick USC here. Gonna be extremely funny. Uh, when people listen to this on Wednesday. And Utah is ranked ahead of BYU in the college football playoff. We are going to fucking lose our minds. Imagine talking about a truck stop ranking. That's right. In, uh, uh, but Utah, uh, I'm fine with it. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with I'm fine with dunking on these losers. Um, the, only, the only truck stop I'll pay any mind to, just because I fucking hate them, I don't think they ought to exist. Going to be extremely funny. Um, I'm I'm gonna be here for it, and they can raise show me however the fuck I want. They want. I, I, I'm I'm here for it. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick USC. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how well you do in your season. If you're not in a Power Five conference, you're not playing for shit. Except, unless you're Cincinnati. You lose those games, BYU. Uh, I don't care. Let's see what Notre Dame does to Stanford. I have bad news, Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Truck stops. Yep. All of them. All right. 
Lastly, let's move on to the Pac-12 after dark game. Cal is traveling to Pasadena to play 7-4 UCLA. Uh, UCLA is a seven and a half point favorite, even after putting up 62 against USC Grapes, who wins two covers. Do I have to? I don't even know if I'm going to watch. I'll watch this game. I'm a disgusting person. Oh, Chase Garbers might be good, but me thinking Chase Garbers might be good means he's going to be bad. So give me UCLA to cover. I don't feel good about it, nor do I care. Yeah, I am also picking UCLA. Um, I said in the uh, preseason that UCLA was going to be our most disappointing team down the stretch. Maybe that was just directly to me and they're disappointing my picks. Fully expect them to actually lose this game just because I picked them. Congratulations on uh, Kelly. Lock up that extension this week, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I actually do think this game has huge implications because of that. UCLA wins. Chip Kelly probably gets another year i think um ucla loses i think that's definitively the end of the chip kelly era um ucla wins games against bad teams and loses games against good teams and the issue with this game do we know whether cal is good or bad they're bad Mm, i don't know about that i'm gonna say ucla wins but there's no way they cover um i don't know cal cal might be okay Cal might be okay. If Cal wins this game, you cannot use it as evidence that Cal is a good team, okay? Not allowed. UCLA loses to good teams and beats bad teams. That is so easy to benefit yourself. Uh, He's been planning this the whole season. God, what a slow play. What a slow play. Wow. I'll take UCLA to win and covered because Cal's 600 yards is all well and good, but it happened against Stanford, so it doesn't count. Oh, I mean, incredible. USC's USC. Who's worse, USC's defense or Stanford? Stanford's. Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> what? You think there's an argument there? I do. I yes, I do. No. Yeah, I do. No. I think there is a every single team that's gone to the Coliseum has had a camera. We were talking about cameraizing Chance Nolan and DTR all as the best quarterbacks in the conference immediately after the USC game. Totally, I think they're comparable. DTR is yeah, the best I didn't quarterback hear a in the word conference. about DTR. I think we he's the best quarterback brutal. in the conference now. You've, oh Tanner McKee is still the best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, I mean, he's the most valuable. I would say he's the most valuable. He's, he matters most to this team, for sure. I think he's the best quarterback, but yeah. Okay, okay, fair. Quick quick check-in on our picks as we go into the final week of the season. Avery, two ga- uh, Matt at 53-29. and 29. Two games up on Avery. Avery had a big, big week list last week. Only two games back at 51-31. and 31. Two games behind her is Greg at 49-33. and 33. Carlos is playing a different sport. Uh, down there at forty three and thirty nine. Sorry, Looking what's the at, winning? What's the winning percentage of that? Is it uh, we're not over doing or above five hundred? I believe it's over five hundred. Matthew Burton. All I buddy. gotta say is I'm right where I want to be. Buddy, you picked USC. You picked ASU. Uh, you picked Wazoo, and you picked UCLA. So uh, you're absolutely going right back down to five hundred. Um, <laughs> in those picks. Avery and I have a two-game difference, so could make that up. Avery and Greg have a three-game difference. Race for second isn't over. Let's see how it goes. All right, that's it for us. We don't have any news to take a truck stop for uh, take a truck stop for this weekend. Uh, my impeachable sources say that Herm did make it back to Tempe. In fact, 
Uh, remarkably, no other coaches have been fired that we know of just yet, nor do we think any are about to be fired. But who knows? Um, we will see what happens. Anyway, that's it for us, Carlos. For Carlos at Equity Bruin, Avery at Brave Grapes, and Greg at Banana Morphs. I am Matthew Bertson at Matt Niber. Thanks for listening, and remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Rumors still and thick with smoke, so thick it makes.